0: to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. We are uh, looking in our sermon series at the letter that Paul wrote to a church in Galatia uh, let me tell you a little bit about Galatians. Uh, and if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Galatians 3.10, we're going to talk about living by faith this morning. Uh, and uh, Or you can look in your order of worship. Um, as always, it's printed in there. Funny thing about the Galatians, people don't think about this. They were actually Celts. Galatian people were Celtic people uh, that had actually settled into modern Turkey. And so that may explain why Paul has to keep going over um, you know, the, the same things over and over because if you're Scots-Irish like me and you have this Celtic, you know how thick-headed uh, we could be in our ancestry here. So uh, that's probably why he's doing that. Um, but but here's really uh, another reason why Paul's bringing up the same idea again and again. He's trying to make sure that he not only gets the, the point across but also solidifies in their minds but also in their hearts this message that he's talking about, to remind the Galatians that it's about a right relationship with God and that relationship is only gained through believing and having faith in the work that Jesus did and not to remind them not to listen to people that try to say you need to believe, repent, but also do something else. Not to listen to people that that are, are telling us to do it on our own or follow the commands of God to win favor with God and His love. So let's see what he's going to say next to remind them of this one message and to remind us this morning of that fact. So let's look at our passage for the day. It's not a super long passage. From Galatians 3, 10 through 14, Paul says this, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, "Cursed is." Is everyone who hang on a tree, so that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, help us to understand um, these words. Help us not to grow weary of these words that remind us that it's not about ourselves, it's about faith because theologically and even knowledge wise we may believe that but it really does not sink into our soul that is actually not about what we do but about what Jesus did help us to remember that and and, and transform our hearts uh, in relation to that truth in Jesus name amen so we know all great stories have heroes and villains last week Paul reminded us of the importance of having faith and rely, instead of relying on our faith, to. Enter, I mean, sorry, instead of relying on our works and entering a friendship with God. And he had a hero last week that he introduced. And that was Abraham as one of the greatest examples of someone who lived by faith. Not because Abraham was perfect. Far from it. It doesn't take long to read the story of Abraham to see that he was just as messed up. As you and I are in our worst days, but it was Abraham's faith in God and God's provision for humankind through His Son that the Bible said reconciled him with God, and through believing he became God's friends, and therefore he is God's friend. Therefore, he is a hero of the faith. Today, Paul's going to flip the switch. If Abraham is one of the heroes of the faith. And what's the evil threat to the story? Who's the villain in the story? Well, the answer may surprise you today, so let's get right back into Paul's discussion with the Galatians. We just read this first part where he talks about the idea of relying, relying on works. So let's talk about Roman numeral 1, and you can look at the Roman numerals there in the outline. He says, For all who rely on works of the law are under his purse, for it's written, Cursed be everyone that does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Now up until now, Paul has been discussing the idea that if you try to follow the law, the commandments of God, that it can never save you. Rules and religion? Paul keeps reminding us, based on a checklist of do's and don'ts, will never put you in a right relationship with God. Why? For one simple reason. You just can't do it. We fail. We do the wrong things, and we do them a lot. We're simply not good enough. And if we're honest, we know that. We talked about that in the previous weeks, and God knows that, too. That's why he sent Jesus, to do what we couldn't do. But the flip side is what we see in these verses. Not only is the idea of following the laws of God not only does it not give us the ability to rescue ourselves or put us in a right relationship, it's even worse. The law puts us under a curse, Paul says. Now, I'm not talking about some witchcraft hex or some voodoo curse in that way. Now It's far more damning than that. Paul then quotes from an ancient book in the Bible, Deuteronomy, 27 27, uh, 26 where Moses says this he said cursed be everyone that does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them this is a quote of Moses like they said why is Paul using this verse if the law can't say this why is he talking about this curse that's all upon us well let me explain it this way Now, I've spent a lot of years after high school um, in school um, I had a lot of hours Uh, probably the equivalent of a PhD. I know you can't tell it by the way I speak and my thoughts. But I've had some easy professors and some hard professors. But I also had some professors that were way beyond that, meaning after exams, we weren't wondering what grade did we get. Oh, no. We were hoping that we didn't get the grade that we deserved. We only had one thought in mind. We had one prayer in mind. God, please have let him graded this test on a curve. That was the only thing we had in mind. This passage right here makes it plain that God is not going to grade the final exam of eternal life on a curve. Paul is saying here, in order to avoid the curse, God demands that we obey the law perfectly. And those who fail to do so are under the wrath of God. Now hang on a minute because it's going to make sense here in a moment. You're like, I thought you were talking about faith justifies us. Hang on. Those who fail to follow all perfectly fall under the wrath of God. This is what Moses meant, and it becomes clear in Matthew's gospel. I don't know if you remember the rich young man that came, the rich young ruler, however you remember, who came to Jesus. And he claimed that he had obeyed all the commandments of, of God. But when Jesus reminded him that that wasn't true, and exposed him as a lawbreaker, the man went away, the young man went away sad. And the disciples overhear this conversation the whole time, and they ask Jesus, if this is true, that guy, he looked like the perfect moral example, but but he broke one law. If it's true, who can be saved, the disciple says. And Jesus reminded them that people cannot obey laws. They cannot save themselves. Yes, it's impossible. But then he says this, but with God, all things are possible. Maybe you're asking the same thing today. If God demands perfection, who can be saved and how can we be saved? What hope do we have? Well, Paul goes on here in Romans number two, rejection of the law. He says the law is not of faith. Rather, the one that does them shall live by them. So he's talking about this idea. You're going to live by law or are you going to live by faith? Because there's totally different ways of life. So with that thought in mind, that God, he demands and requires perfect, perfect obedience, it means if we sin one time, we come under God's curse full force. Meaning, if we don't follow every one of God's commands all of the time, we are a lawbreaker. Paul continues here and says, but the law is not of the faith. Rather, who does them shall live by them. He's echoing the words that we talked about in the disciples a while ago. How can any of us be saved? If that's really true, that's the litmus test. That we have to be perfect there. How can any of us be saved? The answer is, sinners cannot save themselves. We do not obey God. If we do not obey God, we fail to live up to God's law. Even if we break it one time, so we come under God's curse. If you're following, you have to admit at this point. Thinking in terms of what God requires and where we are It seems, and we have to admit, hopeless. We just can't do it. Thank God for the next few verses. Number three, redeemed by Jesus. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curses is everyone that hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, and we're the Gentiles, by the way, that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. At this point, I hope you're realizing, beginning to realize who the true villain of the story, and it's not just the devil. It's you and me and everyone in this room. I once saw a, a quote that alluded to a cartoon that we're all probably familiar with, and it said this, If there's one thing that Scooby-Doo has taught us well, it is this, that the scariest monsters in the world turn out to be humans. And that's so true. Look at our quote for today. Uh, It's in the uh, very first part of the bulletin. Here. This is a quote by Mark Luther. So if your skin... Sorry, if your skin... Sin scares you, and death terrifies you. Think that it is as it in, is indeed, but an imita- imitation and a false illusion of the devil, for there is now no sin, no curse, no death, no devil to hurt us anymore, for Christ has vanquished and abolished all these things. See, the point today is that we are the villains. We're the ones that deserve the curse as lawbreakers. We all deserve the hangman's noose around our necks. All of us should daily recognize our inability to please God. Repent of our sins and look to Jesus alone and our righteousness over and over and over again. We are the villains. We deserve the curse. But here's the good news. The good news is that someone else took that curse on for us as paul says in our place paul says christ redeemed us from the law of the curse by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree so that jesus the, and then in jesus the blessing of abraham might come to us so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith see god sent his son jesus to lift the curse off of us and bring us as his people back from exile and back to God even though Jesus was faithful to the law and we know that to be true he suffered why is that it doesn't make sense because only as we see here those seen as wicked would suffer the curse of being hung on a tree meaning crucifixion but Jesus didn't sin so if he didn't sin, die for his sins, why did he die? Right? For our sins. Our wrongdoings. On the cross, the Father puts the sins of Jesus, his beloved Son that he loves so much, he puts our sins on him. But even crazier is this. God also put Jesus' resur- his record of perfection, getting all right, doing the all perfectly. He puts that upon us. So where we get the curse removed, we get the righteousness of Jesus bestowed upon us so that we would be seen before God as blameless. Something we did not deserve as villains. So at the end, think of it this way. Little did the people know when they executed Jesus on a cross, on a tree, that he wasn't the criminal that they thought he was. The accusations were wrong. But he was under God's curse. So that all of us that deserve judgment receive forgiveness and life instead of the curse through Jesus' own sacrifice. When Jesus hung on that tree at his execution and his crucifixion, the curse on God's people like you and I were transferred on him as we said. Now we have eternal life because of that. And now all the benefits that we have now of being in God's family and his friends Becomes us, becomes our things. I mean, think about it. When we were alienated from God, through Jesus, He brought God brought us in and sees us like He sees His own Son, Jesus. Blameless, perfect, as His sons and daughters, that He rejoices over, that He loves. And that is a beautiful thing. And we're going to talk about that more in weeks to come. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for the reminder last week that we don't have to live as orphans and do it all our own you know, we are your sons and daughters through the work that Jesus did uh, when you work that deep into our hearts Lord when you bring your spirit upon our lives when you quit uh, when you help us to quit the faulting back and try to do it all our own As they said living as orphans acting like you're not our father when you remind us And you see us as blameless. And you sing opera, as Evaniah says, you sing opera over our souls. Lord, remind us of that. That we don't have to wake up anymore to win your favor. Like a good father does, you bestow that on us through what you have done, and not because of anything that we have or haven't done. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.